Hello, everybody. This is Robert Sunday, and you're listening to Airmail. It's a podcast about the guy who used to be a flight attendant. Now I'm working as a social worker, making sure everybody gets their booty taken care of, literally, you know, because some people can't do it for themselves. So the government spends money to make sure other people take care of those who are in desperate need of care. So I'm an agent of care as a social worker, no longer a flight attendant, but even at that profession, I was an agent of care. That's right, man. I care about those people I serve, especially when I'm making anywhere from $25 to $35 an hour, you know, and my care increases with the hourly rate. Yeah. Bad news in my family this past week, my Uncle Edward, he died after living 74 years. He was a Vietnam War veteran. He had Agent Orange damage from all that experience. You could see it in my cousins. They were pretty fucking scary looking. Like my cousin Connie, she had a cat eye. The other ones had soda stains and shit, but yeah, I knew Connie the most because remember my Uncle Ed used to sanctioned wrestling matches between me and my scary-ass feline-slash-humanoid cousin, Connie. Yeah, and my stepdad, Phil, would take bets. I think he had the bell for the rounds, too. It was a pretty violent affair because my my cousin, man, she kicked my ass left and right. I I tell you, this was 1983, which made us about seven or eight years old. It's probably why I work for social worker services now, because I I think that was a CPS moment that could have happened uh, going on there, man. Two dudes with uh, nothing better to do but sobriety and uh, smoke cigarettes and and watch their children battle it out. Who's going to have the stronger DNA? Uh, I don't know, man. I miss my Uncle Ed, but I got some mixed memories about that motherfucker. Um, He was tall and scary and... He was an authority kind of figure. He listened to really cool 1960s doo-wop music. And I appreciate his taste in music. Although, uh, I'm not a big fan of, of the renig on the Disneyland promise when I was a kid. I remember I was invited. Maybe it was under duress. Maybe us kids fucking twisted his arm too much. I was supposed to go to Disneyland with him and my cousin Connie. Yeah, my abuser. Probably the best that they didn't take me, so... That's all right. No big deal. It's a, they were close. At the end of the whole fucking deal, that family was close to my mom because, I don't know, I guess my uncle Ed and my mom were like besties in a way. Um, man, so much water under the bridge too, man. I won't even get into the fucking unpaid debts that happened between family members. But, uh, yeah, he's dead now and ain't nobody paying nobody back and, uh, and the experience has been had, the experience of a man who lived a long life. And I guess you can excuse a lot of that behavior because of um, the man seen war, you know. And he, he raised his kids under his self-medicated ways and, you know, died a very young, 74 years of age. And that's unfortunate because I know our genetics are stronger than that. But our ways of dealing with stress in life may not be the most 
healthy, shall I say. And I think about my mom, too, you know, she's, when I talk to her anymore, I think she's either losing her mind or she don't like me because she always fails to listen or doesn't understand what we're talking about. She repeats herself a lot. Um, I don't know. Maybe she has some undiagnosed dementia. I don't know. My sister doesn't exactly tell me everything that's going on. I hope she does, but something tells me my, my mom is losing her mind and because I, I know she don't like me a whole lot, but man, she kind of expresses it a little more forward, forward leaning. I don't like you attitude lately more than the past. So it's working my patience muscle, my grace muscle. So who I don't give to who deserves my love, uh, I give it to my mom, unfortunately. Um, I'm trying not to be an asshole in life, but fuck, man. People, including my mom, just, just make it the world such a testy place testy place oh man so yeah i got this job as a social worker i went from being a flight attendant where i had very little paperwork to now there is a document form for every turn i make in that building i want a car so i can drive it to a client's house two forms i want to Go visit a client, uh, two forms. I want to go uh, have lunch, another form. You want some vacation? That's going to take three forms. And, you know, I'm just making me really good at navigating all these computer tools, you know, like all these Adobe signs and and DocuSigns. And I'm, I'm whizzing through my, I'm organizing my Apple at home, man. And I don't, I'm, I'm, see, I'm a, a PC dude at work, but at home, you know, I'm on the creative tip with this fucking Apple, but I'm I'm fucking jiving around, organizing stuff and maximizing my efficiency. You know, so th- this social work job, maybe it's not my fucking bag as far as paperwork, but there is a certain satisfaction pressing send or submit for approval. Boom, the job is done, so I think. And that's where the crux of it cuz I've been noticing there's been some fucking side work coming in my mailbox, man. People just floating in some stuff without giving me much context. And that's going to take get used to, man, because I'm not, you know, used to people. I'm a monotasker, but these guys are kind of like, kind of making a motherfucker think he has to do more than one thing at one time. And I know they're really into collaboration and, 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 and if you fucking listen to this and you work with me, man, fuck, it's not my jam. You know, I'll collaborate, but you fuck, come seek me out, man. And if I have a question, I'm probably going to email one of my mentors, man, because those motherfuckers have proven experience of fucking know what the fuck they're doing. I see what I see what's going on in the workplace. There's a whole lot of people fucking banging fucking synapses together. And I'm not sure if it's right or not, but I don't trust wasting my time. I'm just a hardworking dude. I got things to do and I'm not a bullshit bent individual i never have been and i've worked in government jobs where where bullshitting was fucking uh top of the order i think i got it all out of my system at the post office i bullshitted so much there in that 10 years while i was waiting for trailers of mail to come over so i could sort them and uh you know and do pharmaceutical drugs to get over the pain of doing such a boring ass job goodness sakes you know they are uh utilizing my time so i will appreciate that you know so you know it's got to get used to working around that government booty you know and oh my gosh those 
folks, they're so indignant. I've never gotten so many dirty looks for being a new person in my whole life. Um, and they're worried about uh, retaining personnel. Uh, I think they're having a little trouble with the hospitality and no one wants to say anything about it. They just have formalized training to cover it. But yeah, I go to the refrigerator, man. There's like two big ass chicks blocking it off, man, and throwing dirty looks and they leave their stuff in the microwave. It, it's office politics is strange, man. There's, there's a tribe of people kind of thinking they don't like me. I could feel that vibe and I don't understand it because we never really had an impasse other than saying I didn't like being a flight attendant because that shit's fucking whack. And I've seen all I need to see around the country and it all sucks dick. That's for sure. It's good to be home. Besides, you know, I was telling you guys last episode, um, I was uh, experimented with a career path. When I left the post office, you know, I was smoking a lot of cannabis. I was growing it in my house. I went from zero to 100. I even had a shed in my backyard. Granted, this was two years before it was legal. There was a medical marijuana program, but my uninformed ass went ahead and grew it without any kind of medical approval. And then when I did ask a doctor, it was my primary care physician uh, who was talked to like, I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. So uh, that was, so I just left it at that and just kept growing my shit, man. Next thing you know, the neighbors got into a fight and then the cops showed up at their house and they saw one of my plants outside. Oh, she was a beautiful white widow, Alexis, about four foot tall. She was wide. She easily would have had about a pound of dry buds on her if, if I would have not gotten in trouble. However, that was not the case. Uh, I, I ended up getting busted. But at the same time I was doing that, I was experimenting as a male gigolo prostitute kind of a character yeah man i would i made a website where i would market myself as a male escort within a month of that project starting i had a woman in pennsylvania buy me a plane ticket to harrisburg somewhere near hershey there's a nuclear power plant over that in that area and and homegirl wanted me to be her wedding date because she didn't want to be shown up at the wedding with her ex-husband there with his new chick and it's a good thing she did hire me because uh she was pretty hot and i got to sit next to the ex-husband dude was cool and uh homegirl bought me a, a suit for the event and and it was a good time, man. And the story was we met at a yard sale. She paid me two grand, bought me some clothes. And, we, you know, maybe we had sex. Maybe we didn't. But it was a good time either way. And uh, I'll never forget that uh, experience of uh, doing that in Pennsylvania, supplying somebody a little saving face. You know, that's kind of my deal. And then, you know, and then later on that summer, as the plants were growing bigger in my backyard, uh, another lady wanted someone to go with her on vacation in Hawaii. So I find myself on a flight to the big island in Hawaii, end of July, and uh, I get there, and this woman, her name's Mary Ann, 
She's a retired General Motors employee. Just finished doing a bender down in Mexico, and, and now she is planning for me to meet her for this week in Hawaii. That's how fucking retirees have it, man. Homegirl even got a fucking Corvette pace car for a retirement gift from that company. That's pretty badass. I show up, and homegirl does not pick me up. Nobody at the airport. So I take a taxi because I had the presence of mind to figure out where I was supposed to go. I get there. The hotel clerk is concerned. She's like, oh, I'm so concerned. I'm glad you're here. You know, because she's been drinking a lot and acting kind of wild. So maybe you could take care of her. I'm like, wow, that's pretty wild that uh, they're they're just happy any man came over to fucking take care of this chick. And I, when I got in there, yeah, this, this chick was... Uh, Took some time to sober up and get to know her. But once we did, man, we went to go sightseeing up in the volcanoes and and driving through the lava fields in a convertible Mustang. And then we're just cruising along, man. Then homegirl has a heart attack. She starts swallowing her tongue, man. I had to fucking peel over on the side of the road. And I'm trying to dial 911. This chick's fucking convulsing in the fucking the heat of the day. And there's volcanic steam coming out of the cracks, black earth. And I get a hold of somebody on emergency. And they're like, okay, we're on our way. We're on. I was like, can you hear me? Yeah, we're over here on this road in the state park over here. Fucking Hawaii, fucking volcanoes. All right, we're sensible. And you know what? They got enough of message to fucking pick this bitch up, man, because I had a fucking ambulance pull up from one side and fucking helicopter like descended down on us on this barren ass road, fucking volcanic lava, fucking heart attack, fucking lady who's my client is fucking my male prostitute summer. So she got to the hospital, fucking turns out bitch had a heart attack. She survived. She was thankful. Invited me to her house in Flint, Michigan a few months later, and I got to drive her fucking pace car, man. I've always wanted to drive a Corvette, and that shit was pretty fucking tight, man. And her pussy was as well. Ah, did I say that? Maybe I did. That's what happens when you don't make children. Your vagina stays intact. Um, But that's just a PSA from me to nobody, me to somebody, whoever fucking wants to hear what I got to say. But yeah, man, that that was the fucking story, man. And, And... I'm just trying to do good in the world and yeah and then you know I maybe took it a little too far I may have took it a little too far and you know someone got a business card of mine in my hometown of Lakewood Colorado and uh and then there next you know I got this phone call I was just getting out of class getting my bachelor's degree and I'm getting close man it's junior year man so uh, I get this phone call and say, oh, the, oh, I need someone to go with me to a company party. And uh, I was wondering if you could come with me. I'm like, sure, man. That's what my business card says. Mail, escort. I'll take you where you want to go. So I get to her room. <clears throat> get to her room. And I, I, I walk in. First of all, red flag number one. This chick is hot as fuck. Like, like a six or a seven, you know. But she's good looking. Number two, the alcohol on that counter table was all off-brand, weird-ass shit I never heard of. So I'm already on my defenses. This bitch is a cop. She has fucking cheap alcohol. And she's like, so tell me, what do we get for, for that money? I was like, well, you asked me to go with you to dinner, so I was planning to go to dinner with you. Well, can we do anything else with what I pay you? I was like, we could do whatever you want. 
You're paying for my time, and my time is your time, and that money is covering my time, so whatever you want to do. Well, I'm going to go into the bathroom and get into something more comfortable. I'm like, dang, all right. So she went in there, and I didn't even know what the fuck was going to happen. I just knew shit was fishy, and I just stuck to the no sex for money angle because I've already seen enough fucking Vice Squad shows as a kid, so I know not be saying fucking I'm going to give you dick for t- fucking hundred, $200, $100, $500, whatever fucking mor- mortgage payment was, damn it. <clears throat> so uh, she goes to the bathroom and then fucking the hotel room comes open all fast and then the adjoining door comes open. Man, these fucking dudes all dressed in black with fucking zip tie of a fucking handcuff stuff and their guns are out come descending on me just sitting on the bed all defenseless kind of had a little bit of boner at first but then something told me things were going to be and they were really fucking different man so they fucking had seven police officers fucking squad up on me like fucking squad team like fucking yeah it was like they gave me a ticket and said all right you fucking solicitation of prostitution so i fought that shit because i know what i said and I went to trial in the city of Lakewood, Colorado. I fought the law. And my help from Robert Corey, my lawyer, we won. We lost the marijuana case. But we fucking kicked ass on the fucking prostitution charge, man. My jury of my peers found me not guilty, man. They heard the audio tape. They told me go do something more productive with my time. And uh, yeah. I only got in trouble for just growing cannabis. Two years probation. They let me smoke weed the entire time. (sighs) I finally was able to get a real job a few years later, man. Don't break the law, man. That's just fucking the fucking moral of the story. That shit, man, is that caused me a lot of fucking inconvenience. If I had a woman to fucking direct me in the right direction at the time, that probably would have saved me a lot of trouble. And I think that's probably why dudes end up fucking homeless, man, because they keep paying attention to dumbass ideas in their own head instead of listening to some, some fucking, you know, grounded advice from those people who own vaginas. They have some reasoning and, you know, survival skills. <clears throat> anyway, hey, I'm Robert Sunday. You've been listening to Airmail. This has been a lot of information. If you need to listen to it again, you know you can always just restart it and then re-listen again, and that'd be fine by me. But I would appreciate it if you just give me five stars, like my shit. Like I said, if you're going to be nosing up in here and listening to what I got to say, I really appreciate you showing some support, man. Even if you're my hater, man, give me five stars. Just pretend. You know how you pretend when you're face-to-face me when we're talking? Do that kind of shit with the five stars just say yeah i hate him but five stars anyway because i want to hear one day he's going to talk shit about me and i'm probably gonna but if i'm working for the same company we are i'm probably not going to mention until after i have my fucking last day so just if you want to you know be anticipating any fucking drama i'm not going to talk about you until 
maybe 24 hours after I get my last paycheck. And then let the sparks fly, motherfucker. Because right now, fucking airline people are on the chopping block on this podcast, man. And I don't know who to talk about next, man. So I don't know. There's this one dude. It's fucking Austin guy, man. He was He's so fucking chock full of Botox, man. I know if you suck my dick, it would look amazing. It'd probably feel good, too, man. He had the fakest, biggest lips everywhere, man. It just, hey, you have a right to spend your money whatever you want, man. Hey, I'm, I'm not, you know, hey. I'm down for whatever, but not that. So anyways, that's a whole other episode. This is Robert Sunday. You've been listening to Airmail. It's, uh, it's a pleasure, man. I hope you enjoy the bumper music. I do it myself. Don't be fucking hate. Remember, five stars. Have a good night. <laughs>